This is the Bible in one year, day 73. The battles of life. The Christian life is a battle. I've been following Jesus for four decades. As I look back at these years, there have been years of great blessing, more than I could have asked or even imagined. At the same time, there have been many challenges and obstacles. There have been very few periods when I've not been facing some kind of battle. The nature of these battles has varied enormously. There have been internal battles, times of intense temptation, doubt, fear, and anxiety. There have been times of deep sadness, great loss and bereavement. There have been battles over health, sleep, finances, work, and relationships. There have been periods of great opposition and criticism. Father Raniero Cantalamessa, preacher to the papal household, speaks of our battles being against a triple alliance of the world, the enemy around us, the flesh, the enemy within us, and the devil, the enemy above us. How do we navigate these spiritual battles of life? Psalm 33 Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth, he who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Trust in God. The key to winning your battles, according to David, is not to rely on your own strength, but to put your trust in God. This goes against the grain, but at the end of the day, human strength and power is not enough. No king succeeds with a big army alone. No warrior wins by brute strength. Horsepower is not the answer. No one gets by on muscle alone. Rather, God gives victory to those who trust in him. Watch this. God's eye is on those who respect him, the ones who are looking for his love. He's ready to come to their rescue in bad times. In lean times, he keeps body and soul together. We're depending on God. He's everything we need. Prayer from the Anglican Book of Common Prayer. Merciful Lord, grant your people grace to withstand the temptations of the world, the flesh, and the devil, and with pure hearts and minds to follow you, the only God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. New Testament, Luke 1. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. 
The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Unite around the king. Raniero Cantalamessa points out, in the tales of medieval battles, there always comes a moment when the orderly ranks of archers and cavalry and all the rest are broken and the fighting concentrates around the king. That is where the final outcome of the battle will be decided. For us too, the battle today is taking place around the king. It's the person of Jesus Christ himself that is the real point at issue. The theological battles of the 21st century are not those of the 11th century, which divided Catholic and Orthodox churches, nor are the battles those of the 16th century Reformation. The battle today is the same as the battle of the 1st century. Is Jesus the universal Saviour? Luke sets out right at the start of the Gospel a number of claims about Jesus. First, Saviour. The angel says to Mary, you are to call him Jesus. The name Jesus means Saviour, second Messiah. He is the long-awaited Messiah in the line of David. The angel says, The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Third, Son of God. The angel goes on, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Jesus' birth was unique. As is explained by the angel in these verses, Mary was a virgin, and so a normal conception was clearly impossible. Instead, she was told, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The angel then immediately explains why this is so significant. The Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. We see here how Jesus is both fully human, born in the normal way, and yet also fully God, conceived by the Holy Spirit. Christians from all churches, Catholic, Orthodox, Protestant and Pentecostal, believe in Jesus as our Saviour, the Messiah and the Son of God. To be a Christian is to be a follower of Christ. All followers of Jesus are children of God. This makes us brothers and sisters. Furthermore, if we belong to Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in each of us. What unites us is infinitely more important than what divides us. Therefore, the battle should never be with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Infighting distracts and destroys. Focus on the real battle which is around the king. 
Mary sets a wonderful example of the right attitude. For Mary, the Lord is with her, within her, and over her. While, of course, Mary is unique as the mother of Jesus, all believers can know this same connection with the Lord. The way we fight the triple alliance of the enemy is with the triple alliance of the Lord. First, just as the angel tells Mary that the Lord is with you, so Jesus' last words to his disciples were, I am with you always. Whatever circumstances you face, you need not fear. The King is with you, and nothing is impossible with God. Second, the Holy Spirit is within you. As the Holy Spirit came upon Mary to bring about a physical birth, so the Holy Spirit comes upon you to bring about a spiritual birth. Third, the King is over you. You are called to be the Lord's servant, strong and courageous. Mary is our model of trust. In the greatest and most decisive act of faith in history, she offered herself to God as a clean page on which he could write what he wanted. Her response is the model for us. I am the Lord's servant, and I am willing to do whatever he wants. Lord, help us to focus on the real battle and unite around Jesus. I want to say, like Mary, I am the Lord's servant, and I am willing to accept whatever he wants. Old Testament, Numbers 1-2 to The Lord spoke to Moses in the tent of meeting in the desert of Sinai on the first day of the second month of the second year, after the Israelites came out of Egypt. He said, Take a census of the whole Israelite community by their clans and families, listing every man by name, one by one. You and Aaron, at a count according to their divisions, all the men in Israel who are twenty years old or more, and able to serve in the army one man from each tribe, each of them the head of his family, is to help you. These are the names of the men who are to assist you. From Reuben, Eliza, son of Shediah. From Simeon, Shalumiel, son of Zurishadai. From Judah, Nachshon, son of Aminadab. From Issachar, Nathanel, son of Zuah. From Zebulun, Elihab, son of Helon. From the sons of Joseph. From Ephraim, Elishama, son of Amihud. From Manasseh, Gamaliel, son of Pedazah. From Benjamin, Abidan, son of Gideoni. From Dan, Ahiza, son of Amishadai. From Asher, Pagiel, son of Okran. From Gad, Eliasaph, son of Duel. From Natali, Ahira, son of Enan. These were the men appointed from the community, the leaders of their ancestral tribes. They were the heads of the clans of Israel. Moses and Aaron took these men whose names had been specified, and they called the whole community together on the first day of the second month. The people registered their ancestry by their clans and families, and the men twenty years old or more were listed by name, one by one, as the Lord commanded Moses. And so he counted them in the desert of Sinai. From the descendants of Reuben, the firstborn son of Israel, all the men twenty years old or more who were able to serve in the army were listed by name, one by one, according to the records of their clans and families.
the number from the tribe of Reuben was 46,500. From the descendants of Simeon. All the men twenty years old or more who were able to serve in the army were counted and listed by name one by one, according to the records of their clans and families. The number from the tribe of Simeon was 59,300. From the descendants of Gad, all the men twenty years old or more who were able to serve in the army were listed by name, according to the records of their clans and families. The number from the tribe of Gad was 45,650. From the descendants of Judah, all the men twenty years old or more who were able to serve in the army were listed by name, according to the records of their clans and families. The number from the tribe of Judah was 74,600. From the descendants of Issachar, all the men twenty years old or more who were able to serve in the army were listed by name, according to the records of their clans and families. The number from the tribe of Issachar was 54,400. From the descendants of Zebulun, all the men twenty years old or more who were able to serve in the army were listed by name, according to the records of their clans and families. The number from the tribe of Zebulun was 57,400. From the sons of Joseph. From the descendants of Ephraim, all the men twenty years old or more who were able to serve in the army were listed by name, according to the records of their clans and families. The number from the tribe of Ephraim was 40,500. From the descendants of Manasseh, all the men twenty years old or more who were able to serve in the army were listed by name, according to the records of their clans and families. The number from the tribe of Manasseh was 32,200. From the descendants of Benjamin, all the men twenty years old or more who were able to serve in the army were listed by name, according to the records of their clans and families. The number from the tribe of Benjamin was 35,400. From the descendants of Dan, all the men twenty years old or more who were able to serve in the army were listed by name according to the records of their clans and families. The number from the tribe of Dan was 62,700. From the descendants of Asher, all the men twenty years old or more who were able to serve in the army were listed by name according to the records of their clans and families. The number from the tribe of Asher was 41,500. From the descendants of Naphtali, all the men twenty years old or more who were able to serve in the army were listed by name, according to the records of their clans and families. The number from the tribe of Naphtali was 53,400. These were the men counted by Moses and Aaron and the twelve leaders of Israel, each one representing his family. All the Israelites, twenty years old or more, who were able to serve in Israel's army, were counted according to their families. The total number was 603,550. The ancestral tribe of the Levites, however, was not counted along with the others. The Lord had said to Moses, You must not count the tribe of Levi 
or include them in the census of the other Israelites. Instead, appoint the Levites to be in charge of the tabernacle of the covenant law over all its furnishings and everything belonging to it. They are to carry the tabernacle and all its furnishings. They are to take care of it and camp round it. Whenever the tabernacle is to move, the Levites are to take it down. And whenever the tabernacle is to be set up, the Levites shall do it. Anyone else who approaches it is to be put to death. The Israelites are to set up their tents by divisions, each of them in their own camp under their standard. The Levites, however, are to set up their tents round the tabernacle of the covenant law, so that my wrath will not fall on the Israelite community. The Levites are to be responsible for the care of the tabernacle of the covenant law. The Israelites did all this just as the Lord commanded Moses. Numbers chapter 2 The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, The Israelites are to camp round the tent of meeting, some distance from it, each of them under their standard and holding the banners of their family. On the east, towards the sunrise, the divisions of the camp of Judah are to camp under their standard. The leader of the people of Judah is Nachshon, son of Aminadab, his division numbers 74,600. The tribe of Issachar will camp next to them. The leader of the people of Issachar is Nathanel, son of Zuar. His division numbers 54,400. The tribe of Zebulun will be next. The leader of the people of Zebulun is Elihab, son of Helon. His division numbers 57,400. All the men assigned to the camp of Judah, according to their divisions, number 186,400. They will set out first. Listen to God. The battles of life need not intimidate you. All the way through history, God's people have faced obstacles and challenges. The book of Numbers is about how God's people prepare for battle. In Exodus, we see the people of God as a liberated people. In Leviticus, we see them as a holy people. In Numbers, we see them as a fighting force. In the chapters for today, we see a military emphasis that sets the tone for the whole book. When we read this through the lens of Jesus, we see that the Christian life is a spiritual battle. The Apostle Paul describes this as a battle against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. You are liberated by the cross. You've been made holy but you have a battle on your hands. As the people of God in the Old Testament prepared for their battles, be prepared. Here we see three keys. First, take instructions from God. The Lord spoke to Moses in the tent of meeting in the desert of Sinai. God can speak to you even in the very dry periods of your life or in a place that seems completely godless. Of course, it's not enough simply to hear God's instructions. Act on them too. This initial set of instructions ends with the report that the people of God did all this just as the Lord commanded Moses. Second key, raise up good leadership. The leaders were appointed from the community and represented it, but ultimately they were chosen by God. Leadership is key in every level and section of society, 
Parents are leaders in the home. Teachers are leaders in schools. We need good leadership in the church, marketplace, judiciary, government, media, arts, and so on. Third key, mobilize the people. Everyone had to be listed by name, one by one. This expression occurs over and over again in the passage. Each individual matters to God and has an important part to play in his plans. What at first seems to be dry statistics is in fact a key tool in mobilizing and equipping the entire people of God. Eugene Peterson writes in his introduction to the book of Numbers, we need organizational help. When people live together in community, jobs have to be assigned, leaders appointed, inventories kept, counting and list-making and rosters are as much a part of being a community of God as prayer and instruction and justice. Accurate arithmetic is an aspect of becoming a people of God. Lord, I pray that you would raise up good leadership, both in the church and in society, and that you would mobilize your people for the battles ahead. Pippa adds, I'm fascinated by Mary. What an extraordinary person she must have been. To be told you're going to have a baby is a pretty awesome experience. But when you are young, unmarried and a virgin, to be told you're carrying the Son of the Most High would seem impossible and terrifying. To be unmarried and pregnant in that society was such a terrible thing. Her total faith and acceptance of God's will is extraordinary. You would think that she'd have been worried about her own reputation, would have jeopardised her marriage to Joseph, hurt her family, and her life itself would have been in danger. But she simply said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled.